drop what you're doing, Internet. Two bearded dudes are talking about movies. It's the Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. Thank thank you so much. Oh, no, no, of course. No, we don't. We won't ignore you at all. Um, Um, Well, hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, man. How are you? Good. Good to be back. It's Um, December. It's Sadly, actual December. We got a giant reindeer next to us. And I everything. love the decor and I love the season, but mm-hmm. I cannot believe that it's already December. I've been having, I've been having a weird. Decaf. I, uh, oh, decaf is this yeah. side. Thank you. Um, because you. it's night brunch. Um, night brunch. I know. Uh, I've been having weird, like, like temporal dysmorphia. I don't know what it is. If it's just changing weather patterns uh, or. Um, or that, you know, just time accelerates because I have a kid, or just we've all been enraged for 13 straight months. Um, well, maybe we're all just, like, I mean, wishing every day to be over. Yeah, and but as a consequence, days either go too fast or drag far too much. Like, it's, you know, oh, it's the whole that. thing. It's so in, in speeding by. In any me. event, yeah, in any event, here we are. It's December already, December apparently. December 3rd. Yes, today's the 3rd. Um, which is good because we're a topical podcast as we're about to dive into this 12-year-old movie. Uh, but, but first, again, before, a classic. Again, yeah. a classic. And we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, this is going to be, I think, our Christmas episode because we... Um, Christmas coffee break. Christmas coffee break. Like, yeah, uh, I think in terms of doing an actual prime episode for Christmas, we've got some plans coming up. Uh, our next one, we think, is going to be a best of 2017. That'll be coming at you either shortly before or shortly after the new year. Yep. Um, and we've got some bigger plans for how we're going to kick off 2018. Which obviously, there is a movie coming out this month. This month. It's kind of uh, big. Perhaps you've heard of it. Yeah, but uh, but also coming right on the tail is the holiday season. Yeah. And uh, we don't we don't want to do like we did Rogue One last year, where it was just like, okay, I got 45 minutes before my next meeting. Let's roll. Me, me and Toluca Lake and talk fast. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, so uh, so we've got we've got some plans uh, coming for that one, which we think you're going to enjoy. But uh, since it is the Christmas season, we here at Wild Brunch we don't have many traditions like uh, like performing a podcast with any regularity. Um, But one thing we do have is our uh, annual Secret Santa, and Joe, wouldn't you know it? I got your name in the Secret Santa this year. I can't believe you said that because I drew yours. Shut up. Out of the hat. Shut up. Did Did nobody get Brian? Brian, we owe you again. Actually, we both got Brian. We both got Brian. (laughs) Well, here you go, buddy. buddy. Oh my goodness, this is this has heft. I know that has some weight. You well, see, I worry you have it. What's that? I I started. Oh, that's alright. Oh, that's okay. We're gonna find out in just a moment. And oh my goodness, it is. It is Hamilton the Revolution by Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> of course, this is a fantastic book to have. Thank you so much, Here, buddy. buddy. This is terrific. Absolutely. Uh, open it up real quick. Oh, oh my. Oh, oh <laughs> sh- <laughs> Containing Wu-Tang Mad Libs. This is... Oh, we're playing this. And I sort of expect us to do one, like, one a we're, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Oh, dude, this is amazing. Yeah, Thank man. you. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I've never... Uh, you're the easiest friend to buy for. <laughs> because no I just, one says that. I just, like, walk through a place and I'm like, what would I like? It does make part? it... And then... Yeah. yeah. So, it does make it... That does make it a little bit easier. All right. In an Amazon box that it didn't come in. That's oh, you know, fair, it's just fair. we have a lot of sh- we have a lot of shipping shrapnel around the house this time of year. Oh shit! <laughs> a this is a 36 Chambers brand hat. What? 
Yep. Where did you get it? Where do you think? I get, uh, from, from I get I went and looked at a jacket on 36chambers.com one time, and now every Facebook ad I'm ever served is just oh, it's perfect. See, and this is why you're easy to shop for, because I'm like, what would I want, but also that uh, I can't quite pull off. I love it. Yeah. Come on. Uh, <laughs> they also, to any members of Wu-Tang that are listening, I mean, this, yeah. they don't like knockoff shit. So. No, no, that's legit. That That is legit. Dude. Merry Christmas, buddy. Another great, another great. And, um, and speaking of Christmas, uh, we have chosen for... Um, we're starting a new tradition here for uh, for the Wild Brunch. Uh, we're starting a new tradition that I like to call, and I haven't discussed it with you, but I like to call it Black Christmas. And oh, I'm so into it. All right, cool. Black Christmas. Nobody who listens to us, uh, any committed listeners, have to know that we are... Shane Black, he's a, an obsession. He's, uh, he's, he's, a, a, he's a totem for us. He's, totem, yeah. Um, it's, he's, he's a great writer and great director whose work we really enjoy and whose work has a running motif of Christmas through it. And um, Shane and Black honored, time-tested. Um, <laughs> looking back, I mean, obviously the coffee break is something that we do to look back at some of the movies that have either uh, inspired us or shaped us or just movies that we really, really like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more of um, uh, rejoicing in, uh, in a movie that made us feel good rather than <laughs> going to the theater and seeing a movie that made us right. angry. And I'd imagine if you're um, in the very small sort of outer rim of the Venn diagram of uh, people who listen to our podcast and are not uh, acquainted with the works of Shane Black, Shane Black is a writer and director uh, best known for things like uh, Lethal Weapon and Long Kiss Goodnight and uh, these... Monster Mash. Mm, no, wait, no. Monster Squad. Monster Squad. I almost corrected you by saying Monsters Inc., which I knew was wrong too. And I'm like, wait a minute. Monster Mash would be great. Monster um, Mash would be great. But uh, yeah, Monster Squad. Uh, just a whole bunch of great movies, most of which have a theme running through them of Christmas, and it's yeah. one of his. Um, it's one of his calling cards, even when it's not necessarily germane to the plot. It, it finds its way in there. Sort uh, of his, definitely his opener. He classically will open a lot of films with. Uh, even uh, some Christmas music. Yeah, it's, um, it's a big thing for me. Yeah. And anyway, so uh, the plan is, uh, if we're all still here next year, we'll do another Shane Black movie for next Christmas and on and on and on. Uh, and at the rate he makes movies, we should be fine for a while, actually. And hopefully we're entering, I mean, as he has a lot of movies on the slate and obviously the Predator uh, follow-up uh, mm-hmm. that he's direct, right, he wrote and is directing and shooting currently is coming out. Uh, yeah, he's in a bit of a Shane he's, Black renaissance. Well, and it's and the renaissance really started with tonight's selection, yeah. uh, yeah. 2005's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Because he'd been... Because this is his directorial debut. It was. Um, and he'd been uh, sort of in the margins since yeah. about Long Kiss Goodnight. Because it, and if you check him out online, um, Shane, Shane Black popped big when he was very young. He was like 23, I yeah. think, for Lethal Weapon, yeah. which is... And earning, that's insane. Earning price tags on his scripts that were like sort of unheard of at the time. And he became lumped in with a lot of those 90s guys like Joe Esterhaz who were making ridiculous amounts of money for, for their scripts except to my way of thinking and I'm guessing to yours too it was a lot of money but it was not undeserved money his, not his, his no because I think his movies were and besides which nobody's going to say no to yeah. that kind of paycheck um, but also it's they're great movies absolutely especially no one that young is going to say no to that paycheck well yeah like no that, right? of course um also, uh, for those of you also that are maybe aficionados of uh, script writing, Shane Black did also, like, he sort of created a way of writing scripts 
that spoke to the reader in a in a way that actually sure. made them enjoyable to read. Yeah, it wasn't like reading blueprints. It was like he, re- he yeah. sort of spoke to the reader. Well, and he's got and he's given he's given interviews about how a lot of his um, foundational stuff was was comic books, but also uh, dime novels, the kind of things that actually figure actually, really hugely in Kiss Kiss as yeah. Um, yeah. as thematic elements, plot devices, etc. And the movie so, itself. And the movie itself. Yeah. So he he turned for himself anyway, screenwriting into this kind of dime novel format, and it's something yeah. that he's brought to other things. He um, he wrote it on his own. Uh, it was a case where he could really stylistically make it his own, so that that dime novel thumbprint is huge on it. It's based yeah. on. It's actually based in parts on a pulp novel from the 40s or 50s that was called. Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. I know it was by Brett Halliday. I think it was called "You'll Never Die in This Town Again." Uh, to the internet, um, which uh, is the only thing that because I read the book not long after Kiss Kiss, and uh, not long after Kiss Kiss came out, and I read it, and the only thing it had in common was the idea of this body that was impossible to get rid of, um, which becomes uh, one of the which becomes one of the through lines. Oh, I'm sorry, bodies are where you find them. Bodies are right. Yeah, I think you'll never die in this town again. Is a Johnny Gossamer book from yeah. within the movie. I think it's even um, the part where uh, she's at the party. Yes, pulling that's, them off that's the what show. it is. Yeah. Anyway, bodies are where you find great, them. Uh, great retention of a small movie reference. It, bear, reference it from within the bears movie. mentioning, by the way, I have done such poor homework. Is such poor specific homework for today. Uh, I haven't watched the movie since last Christmas, but I watch it every year at Christmas yeah. time. So this is it, it's. I've done poor in the moment homework, but I've done twelve years of homework. Yes, leading uh, up to tonight. I think in, in, in part, I do think like the coffee break is sort of the moment to reflect on the movie we love while we rem- in the way that we remember yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, so. look, I tried to do a refresher so that uh, any new observations come through. Uh, but long story short, Kiss Kiss came out of nowhere in the fall of 2005, did not do a ton of business. It was a, was a uh, you know, a, a cinematic comeback for yes. Shane Black. And uh, also for a uh, supporting Jr. player by the name of Robert Downey Jr. Which, and the way it came about was, it bears mentioning too, Joel was Silver... Was or right after um, some of the legal trouble? This was after. This was after him. What happened was he was sort of brick by brick building a comeback. He had like some supporting roles in things. Uh, and then it was Joel Silver, mega producer Joel Silver, who said, who I read somewhere who basically said to, to Robert Downey, said, we got to put a smoking gun in your head. We got to show people that you can still carry a movie. And he says, just so happens, I've got this Shane Black script. Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. had known each other for a bunch of years by that point. I... The rumor mill has it they met under some kind of unsavory circumstances because they both went through some youthful troubles. And I don't want to tell tales after school. I certainly don't want to use my podcast for it. And you'll but have to save it for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but at any rate, so they knew each other. They had never worked together, which is a shame because they are a perfect match for each other with the kind of just the um, the 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 motor mouth wit over top of the really damaged soul. They yeah. are they they are really perfect to work together. Yeah. Um, and this is a great. This was. A great project for everybody involved. Oh um, man, it really I'd like. I'm revisiting it too, uh, and I recently watched, uh, sort of for no good reason. Recently watched Nice Guys again, and these sort of like I feel like 
or perhaps the resume he's setting up for himself or that I see that he's setting up is like you know coming to the back to the theater with Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. is sort of like uh, you know big budget like Marvel tentpole movie right we've got the Predator coming out mm-hmm. and then in, in between each is these like so, the, so he's doing more. one for him one for me one for them one for me yeah. which I would be fine with because the ones for them are ones still terrific are, and, yeah. and are, are one, us, well it's all for us it's yeah. all for us yeah. um but it, it's funny because, like, uh, I, I've, I've loved Kiss Kiss from the moment I saw it. It is yeah. I, I thought it was uh, just howlingly funny, makes no sense at all, and and that's fine because it's such a it's such a great mayhemy time. It's one of those things that I was I was already dating Tanya by the time we went and saw it, and she was uh, 2005. Um, <laughs> Did we say 95 before? I think we said 2005. I think you oh, just said right. 95 just now. It's all right. It's okay. It's like 95. Yeah, I look terrific. Um, but uh, but no. So we went and saw because Tanya was Tanya knew Shane Black movies, uh, but she was a huge Robert Downey Jr. fan and was hyped for him to make a comeback. Uh, and I think by that point, enough time had gone by from all the legal stuff that yeah. that that those of us who showed up for the movie, we were all kind of rooting for him. Uh, and he Val, de- and he delivered. Val Kilmer was also in a maybe by that well, point in a weird state of obscurity. I mean. Val Kilmer's always in a weird state of something. Yeah, but we're but, talking like in in '95. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, we're talking like yeah. He'd done the it was doors, it was ten years after, but this was ten years yeah. after Batman. Yeah. Um, and this was just and Michelle Moynihan, not really. Yeah. Michelle Moynihan. This was. I don't know if this. I don't think it's her first credit, but it is. It's early, early for her early. for sure. Um, and uh, I think she. Ha- I think it was the same year as. There's a movie she did with Charlize Theron where they are, like, sexually harassed mine workers. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, North Country or something like that. It might have been North um, Country. I, again, she's done no homework for this. terribly charming in this movie. In this movie. She is incredible in this movie. And, and by like the way, it's... All the time, but she just was like... It, I, it was like the best use of her, of what she well, brings to the screen. And this is, this is... This is one of those movies where everyone, everyone in it looks like they're having... The best time, and which is impressive because it's easy to do that when, well, not easy, but it's easier to imagine that when you're Ocean's Eleven and you've got eighty million dollars behind you and all the clout in the world, and you're you are you're wall-to-wall A-list stars. This is this is the six million dollar version of that. This is this is no money. This is this is this is a shoestring budget. It's it's a couple of comeback kids and uh, a, a lead actress getting her first big break, and everybody is having the time time of their life. Corbin Burnson making a... Corbin Burnson, have you ever seen him have such a good time in something? Just like from minute one when he literally just... Larry Miller. Larry Miller? Yeah, killing it. And then also, uh, man, who is that actress? She's a character actress and she's been in like a handful of small parts and I only... I don't know what what I recognize it from, but when uh, Harry uh, stumbles into the casting room... She's oh, the um, redhead woman who's like, we're not ready for you yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. I've, I've, I've never never fully placed her, but... Um, she, I, I recognize her from okay. something else. 
but uh, jumping back, so uh, if you haven't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, stop right now because we're going to talk about every aspect of it. Um, it is so worth seeing. It's I think it's streaming on Amazon Prime. If not, yeah, it's, like, it's just a readily available movie. Get a Blu-ray. It's I, like $5.99. I just got the $5 Blu-ray and had to figure out what to do with the two DVD copies I've somehow amassed over the years, which um, which I turned into a trivia contest. Uh, I, um, I posted on Facebook yesterday. I said um, that the first two people to answer this question correctly uh, will win it free of charge. I'll cover postage or whatever. And I said, uh, the question was, uh, okay, uh, any any kind of gloves in particular? <laughs> Did someone answer? Is it two people got it right. Yeah. Where are they going? Where are the copies going? One is to a Facebook friend of mine who lives in West Covina, and one is to um, one is to a coworker of mine. I just got to walk it across the carpet tomorrow. Great, great, great. But happy to give it good homes because it's one of those. Oh, so I was saying, Tanya and I were already dating, and we we went to this movie on a Tuesday night in in a shitty theater in Brooklyn. And laughed our heads off, but we were, we were already a couple, and we were at this point, I think, a little less than a year away from getting engaged, and about a year and a half from getting married. But the point I'm getting at is, if this was something that I'd met when I was uh, when it was earlier in my life, this would have become one of those uh, litmus test movies for people. It still kind of is to an extent. Thank you. Oh boy. Awesome. Thank you. It's still kind of. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we'll take another hit. Thank you so much. Uh, one of each. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm decaf. Thank you. Um, but this is one of those movies where when you talk to people about it, if they haven't heard of it, that's no harm, no foul. But if if someone has not enjoyed this movie, I feel like we can ju- we can just sort of go our separate ways. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, but, and I think much in the same way that I don't remember the first time necessarily you and I discussed this movie. I feel like I feel like we've never fully had a conversation of its virtues because we've sort of taken it as red that it's like in among everything else we talk about it's like we know this is one of the great ones well it's like black opus it's like his, or not his opus but like his um... no but I think I, I think if you had if someone had never seen a Shane Black movie they, they, they just never got around to Lethal Weapon or Long Kiss Goodnight or Monster Squad or just, you know if they, they just had no awareness of the guy and you had one shot to get them to like one of his movies I think this is the one you give them I think you have to because gone or absent from this are like the way overblown action set pieces mm-hmm. that he initially became known for, right? And I think what what then you're able to focus on is like how good he is at like, I don't know, writing interesting characters with unique motivations mm-hmm. and like you said, that sort of like pithy rambling banter. Mm-hmm. I'm retired. I invented dice. Is still one of yeah, yeah. my favorite all-time movie lines that has ever existed. Well, and it's there's something there's something about the way he writes dialogue that it's. I'm always kind of stunned that no one has ever put that line together that way before. You know what I mean? It's it, it's all fresh and familiar all at once. Like it really just it really just pops out that way. But um, uh, and what you were saying about the the over the top action set pieces. I mean, he wrote this to be another movie, like like a twenty thirty million dollar movie. And then when when it turned out it was like, well, we can get it done for five. It was like, okay, let's pull it way back. And I read I read one of the earlier scripts back when it was called, and I think it was shot under the name um, LAPI. 
um, I tracked it down. I mean, every Shane Black script finds its way onto the internet at some point. Yeah. Um, and uh, I read it. It was it was scaled up a little bit. Like I don't remember a ton of stuff from it. It was a long time ago that I read it. But again, a very entertaining read. But things like in New York, when he in the New York scenes when he and his partner get caught robbing a toy store, they're running through like backyards and hopping fences and stuff. And instead, it's just oh, we're in an alleyway. Which, by the way, I we we laughed our asses off because the the movie Which gets probably didn't even shoot in New York. Oh no! Well, anytime you see an alleyway, you're not in New York. No, you're in it's, a soundstage you, in LA, or or you're in downtown LA because that's where the alleyways and and cities and fire escapes are. But. No, Tanya and I saw it in this theater in downtown Brooklyn and laughed our asses off because <laughs> that's not New York. But it's it's this isn't a movie I ding for stuff like that. This isn't a movie I ding for anything. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it was initially scaled up a little bit and then got brought back down and they found good shortcuts for stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of the action sequences have kind of a compactness to them as a result of that, and they they do get totally hyperbolic by the end when he's hanging off of a casket by the hand of a corpse so from good. a freeway sign in Long Beach. So good. I mean, so obviously they do get big, but this is not... This isn't helicopters and... and, or and shit. they clearly, like, scaled back every everything else so they could, so they could have that. that. Yeah. yeah, but as a result, what you get with this one that you don't get in some of his earlier movies where they are so hyperbolic and so, you know, just like... Like, just... Uh, fireballs and cars 20 feet in the air yeah. is this one does become more grounded and more personal and it's really this is just I love the, the dynamics of this one it's not cops and robbers or cops and terrorists or anything like that the 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 narrative of it is a lot less clean than that it's it's a thief and it's a PI and it's an actress turned sort of amateur detective like everyone's an amateur detective in this and they all kind of pay the price for that like everyone mm-hmm. gets fucked up in this mm-hmm. because they're not equal to the game and even when they are even when it is like like Perry he might be the only one who's and he still he still catches a bullet like yeah. a really bad one yeah. too yeah, yeah, yeah. like um uh so it's what I like about the scaling of this one is that you've got the same sort of wounded soul that you saw marching around in um, in Long Kiss Goodnight or in Lethal Weapon, only it's not bendy blues guitar yeah. and you know and nobody's bulletproof in this one. Like like yeah. people are people are. This is the first Shane Black movie where you really get a sense these people are barely holding it together. He gets his um, finger. Chopped up twice. Let me and let me tell you something. <laughs> like I had forgotten the first time when I, I remember the first time I watched it uh, on DVD, I had forgotten that he just fucking loses his finger. Two cringeworthy moments. Mm-hmm. Are, first of all, when it originally gets locked up oh, and it gets it's sewn back so on, hard. It's so hard. Brutal. But then when it gets ripped off, you don't see it, but it still is. Right. Oh and then, man, it's I mean, it was so squeamish. Yeah, it's rough. But what I love about it too. You're caught up in the bizarre momentum of this movie where you're not that, like, movies can't generally get away with shit like that, with right. with a guy losing a finger or a hand or in anything without you just suddenly think of that character as an invalid. Uh-huh. They just are. He does the entire third act of this movie on nine fingers. So it's good. and But they never make a big deal out of it. They take it totally in stride. Yeah. He doesn't spend, that, that's where the movie strikes this fun balance between human and superhuman. 
that guy would spend the rest of the movie complaining about I'm deformed. And instead it's just, nope, we, oh, we have a case to solve. It does make me squeamish, though. Oh, it's so rough. It is so rough. When he gets it sewn back on, I was like, oh, that shot. There's like one quick shot. Yeah. Him, and I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. No, it's, it's, they, they, I'm not saying Shane Black's the only guy who could do that but it's such a tricky tonal thing that I think it's something that he gets very right. I think that is a valid point, though. And I think one of the other things that I do want to talk about, only because, you know, it's still been 12 years since this movie came out, and the fact, and to just quickly mention the fact that there, it, even though it, it is such a grounded movie, it is sort of also not a, it's not a, a, a like an, it's like an homage to, like, noir mm, movies. Yeah. You have the voiceover, you have the voiceover that knows it's a voiceover, that he's a narrator. Um, you have all those sort of elements, which they even comment that, like, it does become, like, the plot line of a Johnny Gossamer novel, which mm -hmm. is, like, the book series within the movie that um, is a, you know, hard-boiled detective story. Um, the only thing that I think maybe didn't, isn't fresh or didn't stand the test of time, or maybe it does... Um, is all the commentary about the fact that Perry's gay. I was just about to say that. Um, and the only, because I think maybe, and do you know that it only just occurred to me that it's Harry and Perry? Oh, yeah. Which mm -hmm. I think is awesome and totally works. They used to be what we called the wireless networks in our house. Uh, Harry and Perry, mm -hmm. so great. I think Perry is the most legit and like time-tested character in this movie. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think you could put that character as it was realized in a movie now, mm -hmm. and it totally yeah, works. Yeah, and there was the one that didn't for me was actually Larry Miller's producer. Yeah, who makes a weird well, comment to Perry about being gay, and I'm like, no Hollywood producer <laughs> doesn't understand gay. Like, yeah, gay. yeah, and also, I mean, it's it's. That's a little... I, I imagine I'm going to be watching it again in the next week or so for the season. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's going to be the cringy part just because, like, 12 years later, I don't know you put that character in a movie because that guy is probably being, like, stripped of his career right now mm -hmm. in, in a real-life analog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, but it's but if you cut that one bit of dialogue, which is unfortunate because some of the dialogue is funny even if it's not the wokest thing you ever heard, if you cut that one bit of dialogue, like, it's... Perry's gayness only ever manifests in other people's discomfort about it. Mm -hmm. It's never... It's... It, that's the only context in which it's negative, is showing you how other characters can't handle it. Because he's... He is so... Uh, he's he's the most... He's the most grown-up character in this. He's, he's, he's the one least likely to... He's the one sort of... Uh, Unwillingly dragged along on the moviness of it, yeah. Because he's he belongs more. He would fit more in Collateral or Heat. Mm -hmm. um, he because he's just he is just a straight up private detective, totally, who with no visions of of romance or cigarette smoke about it. But but that's what I love is that the only time his gayness becomes a thing, it's never at his expense. It's at the expense of other people trying to put it at his expense. Yeah, exactly. Like, like at one point, like he and he and Harry have a fight at the on the roof. Uh, well, they have an argument on the roof at the Standard downtown, uh, which is where Harry's staying. Um, and uh, you know, Harry gets the last word in the argument, and he say, he just, he just, he just 
shouts after him. He just spits after him like, "Don't quit your gay job," which is which you laugh, but it's not it's not a strong closer. Well, or like you know, uh, Perry himself, which I guess it came out of the right character's mouth, but refers to the Derringer as a and then uh, there's a, yeah, there's just a lot of. I guess I understand it, and I and I see that maybe at the time they weren't off color, but yeah. That's the stuff also they that wouldn't have aged. felt they haven't aged well. And even at the time, there was an element of that that felt like, oh, this has been on the shelf. Like this script yeah. was on the shelf since like the nineties. Yeah. When, not that it was okay then, but. I also like the idea that a white kid from Indiana. Um, who talks and looks the way Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. does and is, ends up being, like, a two-bit crook in New York mm-hmm. and, like, making a vibe. And I also love the fact that a struggling actress, Michelle, uh, Michelle's character is, uh, what's her name? Harmony. Harmony. Mm-hmm. I love that Harmony uh, passes out of the Hollywood party reading a book. Mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, no, they're, they're, they're such... There's so like, many fun... Hilarious, like... Just little notes to these characters. Yeah, like, um, like not... Letting them slip into some like doozy of a stereotype. Yeah. Um, which and even and to you know to totally like counter argue my point about the gay jokes being not aging well. The fact that Perry is like good at his job and a strong character and like very focused mm-hmm. and um, a badass is plays against how those characters were stereotyped in movies at that time. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, and it's just, watching him and Robert Downey Jr. play off each other, first of all, made me sad that it was 20 years after the 80s and this was the first time they were doing a movie together. Like, how they never did some college buddy movie. And that they haven't done one since. How great would it have been? Don't get me wrong. I love Paul Bettany. And I love his contribution to the Marvel movies. How much fun would it be if Val Kilmer had been Jarvis? Oh, God. I mean... Having said that, not sure I want to see him as the Vision, but... Weird, but... But I'd take it. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, man, there was... And I think, to your point, about how it looked that everybody was having fun, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm I'm sure I'm wiping my, like, I love Shane Black brush over the whole thing, Everybody always looks like they're having a good time with yeah. his movies, and also like his movies are fun to watch. And there's so many movies, especially now, that are just like galvanized in making us feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Shane Black movies are just there to be like, here is a story, and some parts are thrilling, mm-hmm. and some parts are funny, but like. All of it is fun. Like, it's all, Oh, absolutely. And that's... Well, and again, that's that dime novel sensibility coming through. And if anything, like, Kiss Kiss is so energized and so heightened that when Nice Guys came out, I couldn't help but feel a little bit let down. It's a... It's... it's, Apart from certain surface textures, Nice Guys is a very different movie. It's... I'm not trying to... No, go ahead. Posit the idea of a Shane Black universe, but do you think those two movies exist in the same way? I... I mean... You mean kind of like how we talked about like heat and collateral feel like? I mean, I suppose so. It's difficult to say, but I mean, 
they do take a very similar look at LA, which is another of Shane Black's preoccupations. Yeah. Um, and which this was also the first time that really that really fully came through. It's there a little bit in Lethal Weapon, not a ton. He doesn't. It's Chris, absent from a lot of the other stuff, but he does every movie that he shoots in LA or is about LA, mm-hmm. except for Collateral, and he probably. Critic takes a moment to like editorialize and criticize that mm-hmm. which has it coming. In, it has it coming, but also infuriates me because it's the same. It's the same concept as like going to a stand-up show and like the comic makes fun of the venue, and uh-huh. you're like, well, you're fucking here. But what am I going <laughs> to sit around for like while you do your ten-minute set yeah. talking about how shitty this place is? Mm-hmm. Like, I- I'll just leave. How about that? And I think like. It's similar when I see movies like that where I'm like, yeah, you had to come here, man. You, That's you know, fair. Like, I don't, but I don't think there's. But in, in Shane Black's case, I yeah, always I don't find think there's a bit of mirth to it. Yeah, well, I don't think he's, I don't think he's shitting on LA so much as laughing at its foibles, sure. um, and taking some pretty awful wax at the at the actress class but um that was brutal that at the christmas party yeah scene. although on the other hand i mean harry's being an asshole in that christmas scene. party was because he's all he's high he's he's high and at the end of his rope that christmas party was amazing <laughs> the weird like with uh, like the 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 model dancers nightmare before in, christmas. yeah yeah mm. <laughs> deformed demented christmas mm-hmm. uh, that was hilarious yeah um it uh we're talking about Michelle Monaghan a little bit, and she, yeah, she's fantastic in it, and she's, um, you know, came out of nowhere as far as I knew, and just really, just really did incredible stuff with it. She got, um, she got the Mission Impossible movies, I think, off the back of this one, um, the ones that she was in, and uh, and she's, yeah, yeah, she's she's in that one, and very briefly at the end of Brad Bird's one. Um, and they've sort of forgotten about her now because there's a Rebecca Ferguson. Like, I would kind of love if Mission Impossible 6 was just, like, Ethan Hunt at Whole Foods with Rebecca Ferguson and they just run into <laughs> Michelle Monaghan and then just... Um. <laughs> He's, like, throwing smoke bombs and parkouring up the shelves to get out the yep. air vents. Yeah, that's that's your cold open. Scales up the produce aisle. <laughs> He'd do it, but the thing is, he'd really do it. Like, Tom Cruise would really do it. He would do the stunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's yeah. 100% committed. Uh-huh. Stunt. Um, yeah, I think she... And I think she... And I feel yeah, she, yeah. like I can misogynistically be very hard on her sometimes. How do you mean? Because I think there are times where I watch movies that or shows that she's in, and I'm like, so, so what? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, she's not... Uh, this sounds. Uh, I'm gonna get in too much of a Go ahead. terrible spot with being a white guy and just being like, oh, she's not my type, so who cares? Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but I found her so charming and like, uh, like effervescent and sort of like no nonsense in this one in parts uh, that it, um, it made her, and not that. Attractive is the only thing no. an actress can be. Yeah. That's not the point. But it, I don't know. As a, it, it, her performance in this movie is dynamite. Yeah, there she's are, like, fantastic. Scenes in this movie where I'm like, oh, well, she's shit, holding, that's... she's holding her own with these guys who've been at yeah. it for like 25 years. Yeah. And she doesn't, she doesn't blink. Like she is. Yeah. yeah. And she just has a, like a couple like great moments too. I think that, uh, um, that are memorable and. 
uh, awesome. Yeah, she just was really fucking good. Yeah, uh, like she's you great. said, like going against Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is no easy feat. No. Um, and it's nothing, you know, not speaking against those guys, but they're they're scene chewers and they're behemoths and mm-hmm. and. But they they um. As much as everyone's having a good time in this, I do get the sense they're all being sort of generous with their performances. You know, and, every, and I everyone's... Think, I think well-directed. Oh, very much so. I think, yeah. everyone's, I think everyone's making Thank room so for much. one another uh, really well. Yeah. Um, and then just every so often there's just these fantastic protracted scenes of Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. being bitchy at each other. Oh, and it's... In any other movie, it would stop things absolutely dead to have them bicker about this stuff, the and chem- they're fantastic. The chemistry that they div- they had together was mm-hmm. awesome. I also there are, there are all these little elements in Shane Black movies, and obviously there were there were a lot in in the Nice Guys. There's like little stupid shit that always like just kills me. That is either so cheesy as a like a, as a uh, as a joke. Um, but given the circumstances, it's like not a groaner because it seems so out of place. There's a scene where he and Harmony are at lunch. She still she thinks he's a detective mm-hmm. at this point, and he's like he, he's like taking out his notepad and oh. he's like, I'm, you know, I'm just give me everything. I'm, I take very detailed notes. And then when it cuts to the notepad, there's a picture of a cat and it mm. says Gato yeah. with an exclamation point. It's just like little shit like that that just like cracks me up. That was all, by the way, in the copy of the script that I read, that was all then hand, handwritten into the script. So that like, was in there. Yeah, like for effect. Like there's something really... You're, you're in the, you're in good hands in his movies. Like the, the joke structure may be familiar. There is something that's a little bit kind of... A little bit old man about the way he writes. There is something yeah. kind of mid-century about oh, absolutely. it. absolutely. Which is not a bad thing, but it's... But it's, it's it's an older sensibility, but the jokes execute so perfectly that you're just, you're in good hands. Like, you're satisfied yeah. watching the mousetrap close on your foot. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And then, because then, every so often, mousetrap closes on your foot, mousetrap closes on your foot. Next thing you know, he gets his finger chopped off in a door, and it's just a little, a little out there spike, and, and like, oh, well, now we can deal with it. Did I just chop your finger off? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Put it on ice, pick it up. I don't want to look yeah. at it. Pick it up, put it on ice. Oh, God. Yeah, it was, um, and it, you know, at a runtime of like, it's like a. It's like an hour 40, hour 50, 40, something hour like 50, that. Uh, Which I think we've talked about this before. For me, that's like. Ideal. That's that's the bullseye for a genre movie. For almost any movie, that's 100%. like the bullseye. Yeah. We're, I mean, the further, the deeper we get into this two, two and a half <laughs> hour territory with these movies, I'm like. You're not keeping my attention, especially no. in a theater. Or definitely not at home. Mm. But maybe not even a theater when I paid for it for that long. Right. Yeah, it's, and it's just a... Man, it's a super fun movie. Uh, it really is. I think that there's a sort of, like, deadpan homage and then this, like, sort of contemporary mirth that I, he, he strikes a great chord in with this movie. And I think mm-hmm. for... Man, for a writer of his... Uh, you know, uh, with his resume, and like this was his directorial debut. So like, yeah, what was he? How old? Was, he was probably like. I guess by this point, he was he was like forty-five, probably yeah. ballpark. And like after a, I, I don't know, after a break, and he said we saw him in that. Uh, oh, the Q and A, Q and A at the Nerdist, and 
he, he mentioned like really taking a step back mm-hmm. um, you know after I think getting feeling like he was pretty burned by the industry so well, what and an it, awesome yeah. re-entry oh absolutely and it's been uneven intervals but a steady interval since then it yeah. was it was um, because it was about eight years between this and Iron Man 3 even though it yeah. feels like a blink yeah. and then three years between Iron Man 3 and Nice Guys so I think I think this this helped put him back into a frame of mind for guys like you and me, yeah. for people who are fans of this movie. But it didn't necessarily pop him back up the way he might have hoped. But yeah. then I think, but what it did, it obviously did that for Robert Downey Jr., yeah. who um, started getting the right attention. This is a grand scheme of things about 15 minutes before Iron Man. Yeah, I don't know this factually, but I'm pretty sure that it was Robert Downey Jr.'s idea to bring Shane Black in for Iron Man 3, which we'll get to that next Shane Black Christmas, or next Black Christmas, because that one is... Special. That, well, I mean, you think you think Kiss Kiss is a bullseye for you and me and what we do here. I mean, Iron Man 3 is that, is that plus superhero shit, so... It's like the perfect confluence of everything I yeah. like. Yeah. We like. Mm. Um, but that'll be for next Christmas. The next Black Christmas. Um, so here's my question for you, because it's... And so many of the people involved are still working. They're still uh, more or less viable. Here's my question for you. Would you want to see a sequel to this? Um, sequel, no. Spin-off, okay. What are you thinking of for a, for a spin-off? Define spin-off. Or... I mean, I think it, like it's like a Harry and Perry. Uh, okay. Would that not be a sequel, though? I guess. Yeah. No, I suppose it would be. Mm. But it's not a continuation of the same story unless there's more to solve. Well, right? yes and no. I mean, I think then it becomes Lethal Weapon 2, basically. Right, right. For me, and I thought I thought about this, I'm comfortable just let it stand. Let it be a jam. Absolutely. Like, just, you know, look, and it's not like I'm out here, com- you know, marshalling forces against it. Like, yeah. there's, like... Like, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, fever is sweeping the world, and I'm the one person taking this and go, no, let's leave it alone. Do not I'm like, touch it. I'm like, I'm like, don't touch it, and the rest of the world is like, yeah, no, we're we're ahead of you on that one. I said, we're cool. We're, yeah, we're 12 uh, years ahead of you. It made no money. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, and the nice guys both sort of hint at it. Uh, at the story continuing, or there being some kind of like a possible yeah, yeah, because at the end, of, well, at the end, of, they both land in the same place, which is these guys are now detective agencies. Yeah, it's yeah. like the first book of a series. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I mean, but also like I don't, I don't want Shane Black to waste any time not just giving me just more, more of whatever. Those, yeah, you know. No, I'm um, with you on that. And I'm happy to watch the next iteration of that. That template mm-hmm. or that rubric um, but I don't I mean unless it were us unless it's <laughs> up to us I mean then fine well yeah no but I mean yeah I'm, I'm with you on that one I think just let it be a gem let, let it be a gem because it is a gem and all of his movies are gems man mm. this is a great movie if you haven't seen it go out and see it if you have seen it go out and see it again there's no reason to not yeah um, Any uh, final thoughts on 2005's no. Kiss Kiss Bang no, Bang? So uh, it makes me want to go. I mean, every time we do these, I'm like, let's go wanna, watch that again. I want to go watch it. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's Christmas season, so uh, Kiss Kiss fits into my rotation with like, I I usually watch almost all Shane Black movies, and then you know Die Hard and mm-hmm. um, probably do Scrooge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We we try and get that one in there too. Yeah. Um, so that's 2005's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, do check it out when you can. 
Uh, it is the Christmas season, uh, and we hope you are having a nice and hopefully um, reasonably stress-free holiday season. Joe, you got anything coming up you want to plug? Uh, I'm, man, I'm taking December off. Like, okay. Um, not off, uh, but... Uh, well, it's a it's a bi-month for male folly, right? Yeah, bi-month yeah. for male folly. Um, Molly and I are taking leave of any family obligations for Christmas. Nice. We're going to do a classic L.A. Probably go get massages at the Korean spa, eat some bibimbap, and uh, go home and binge Netflix. That's I mean. what's up. Yeah, That's what great. about you? Uh, I'm doing a new uh, a new Instagram account the last couple of weeks. It's good. That I'm having a lot of fun with. It's good. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I do wish you would consider following. It's Hats from Movies, and it is nothing. Uh, it's nothing more complicated than that. It is just. Uh, it's just. Hats as featured in movies. I try to do a little homework on the make and model of hat, uh, the title of the movie and the year it came out, and give due props to the costume designer for it, um, which uh, it's, it's coming from a place of love, not a place of ironclad research. Uh, usually it's me just Googling a couple of tidbits and then posting. But you have a, an appreciation. I do. Uh, yeah. Well, it's... I, so far, I'm really only doing uh, good hats or seasonally appropriate ones, which I started rolling into sure. today. There's going to be a lot of Santa hats. Uh, Kiss Kiss will doubtless be featured uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, it's fun. Uh, Instagram.com slash hats from movies. And, uh, oh, speaking of hats, um, Christmas Eve is right around the corner, and uh, Nick Bush, uh, unofficial friend of the show, we got to get him on making an official friend I know, of the show. I know. But Nick Bush and I are going to be doing our uh, annual hat fight, uh, which is a dumb, fun thing we do New Year's Eve, which is posting selfies of ourselves wearing different hats. Uh, as with last year, this year we're doing it for charity. Uh, last year we raised, I think, about $1,300 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So great. We're zeroing in on our, um, we're zeroing in on our charity, but we've got some, we've got some really strong contenders. We're going to be doing a fundraiser through Facebook, so if you feel like donating anything uh, toward the end of the year, it will, of course, be a tax deduction. I think now that the tax code is basically just a rolling oil drum on fire, but so real, man, a collapsing building. But uh, but yeah, so um, uh, keep an eye out for the hashtag uh, #HatFight2017. Uh, new new mixtape out? A uh, new mixtape out just the other day on the steelapesessions.tumblr.com. Uh, this one was this one was a fun one. I was actually really happy with the way this one came together. Sometimes they're a sense of obligation, and sometimes they're fun. Um, it's awesome to, to maintain that, though. It's something people can check out. Introduce you're either introducing people to some new music they haven't heard, or reminding people of like some music they have heard. Well, a funny thing happened with this one that that you tie into a little bit because I was doing the artwork for the last male folly, which is female. Folly. Which um, we won't say who had the idea to use the Linda Ronstadt album cover. Let's just leave that out there. Um, but uh, use the the cover of the Linda Ronstadt album, the name of which escapes me, with the famous one where she's in the um, the one where she's on roller skates in short shorts. Um, uh, but I was realizing I was familiar with the album as iconography. I had never listened to it in my life. So I decided to listen to it. So one of the tracks on this month's mixtape is from that because I listened to it. It is a kick-ass album. Kick-ass album. It's Ron's not head, just. Uh. It's not just about short shorts and roller skates with her. It's not not just about that, but it's not just. Thank about you. That. That's yeah. That's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So we did uh, Tales of Female Folly this it last month. So it was oh, so good. It was good. So good. A great lineup. Uh, we'll be back in January. Uh, TBD. Um, in the meantime, check us out at www.talesofmelfolly.com. Uh, we're a live storytelling show and a recorded storytelling podcast. Yes, so. indeed. 
That's it. All right. Well, I think that's about it for uh, this episode of The Wild Brunch here on the Extra Credit Network. Happy December. Happy December. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. I've been Alex Burdett. I've been Joe Town. As always, reminding you, talk with your mouth full. This has been The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. Recorded live in Los Angeles. Produced and edited by Brian Weiss. Executive producers Alex Gradette, Joe Tower, Carlo Moss, and Mark Coe. Wild Brunch theme by Magnetic Music. Intro and outro by Daryl Clift. Hey, that's me. The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. A Hat Beard production. Brought to you by the Extra Credit Network. Next time on The Wild Brunch. Well, yeah. see, I don't have your Christmas gift yet. Oh, don't worry about that. Because I'm backlogged. For you. the sake of theater, we can call it a Christmas gift. All right. All right. Um, all right this Brian, is... cut all that part out. This is... There we go. Okay, hang on. Well, let's, let's, let's right. start over.